Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool. You can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with our promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Have either of you experienced any blackouts, blackouts stretches of time Start date 1005-2021. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Lock. This is your Captain Jose Valle Jr. coming at you from sunny California, joined virtually from windy Iowa by my co-host... Delete. Delete that first, <laughs> first officer, Mason Schrader. You guys couldn't see it, but Mason was putting on a, a, a sweatshirt as I was doing that intro, and, and he made a very funny face. Mason, it's we're back. Cold. We're back. We're back. How are you? How was the break? Oh, hey, man. Listen, I'm just marching soul-crushingly into the void. You so know what I mean? Just as good as always, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm doing great. Awesome. Any I'm, exciting... The weather's changing, so it's getting colder, and I'm enjoying that quite a bit. I went from, yeah, see, I went from Utah, where it would be just, like, the perfect time right now, my favorite time of the year, and... um Apparently, I didn't know this, but uh, there's no seasons in L.A., um, so that's fun. Uh, it's Halloween. It's Halloweeny season, but outside Hell just looks yeah. like summer, so there's no leaves Not falling here. on the beaches. Oh, boo, there's, a crisp, there's that, that crispness in the air that still mm. gives me a little bit of anxiety because it makes me think school's about to start, but yeah. I don't have school oh, yeah. anymore, but I still yeah. like, get out and I get to breathe deep, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. And okay, my chest hurts because I think I got to go to school, but I don't. How I envy you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm 22 with a bunch of 18-year-olds uh, in class. And um, it fucking sucks. I forgot how much I hated college. Um, ah. I'm not happy to be back. Well, as that 22-year-old. I'm going to have to take that ball from him when he gets over here. You, your dog is amazing he's, at finding the most annoying things to do while recording an episode. He's on one today. You gotta give me the ball. I'm just gonna take it from him. 
Yeah, take that ball from him. I'll vamp the crowd. So glad to be back, everybody. I didn't have anything he's else. Just, I'm so glad he, he's he here missed, again. He missed that I wasn't recording for... Get the fuck... He's trying to climb on the desk. Get out of here. He missed that, that I didn't have to record, uh, and now he's like, well, I want to fuck it up. I want to be a part of it. So, Mason, we are starting off this very special month of Spooktober with another Warren case file. Yay. This time, we are taking a look at one of America's most famous hauntings, mm-hmm. the Amityville Horror. Are you familiar at all with this case, Mason? You ever heard of it? Seen the movies? Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw the movies. I've heard of the murder. I've heard of the ghosts. I'm, I'm with it, as the kids would say. Mm, yes, they're all saying that. I can mm-hmm. attest, because I'm a hip college student again, and they're all saying that. You um, are, it just, it seriously does crack me up that you are where I was when you met me. Yeah. You were doing, you have right? that, you're having that exact same thing. And it just, it, it cracks me up so much. It, it it's, it's makes me awesome. Laugh so much. Um, there mm-hmm. hasn't been a cool kid that approached me to be my friend yet. Like, like I did to you. So. Well, doesn't it give you a complex though? When you're like, wait, are they lame or am I lame? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's tough. It is. But also because you're like, no, I'm not fucking lame. I'm super fucking cool. Yeah. They've got to be lame, but oh. I don't know why none of these fucking kids want to be my friend. I'm not going to mention it by name, but at the school that I'm at. I know I'm the cool one. I know they're the lame ones. I know it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I watched uh, both of them, both of the movies in preparation for this. Um, man, uh, Ryan Reynolds' abs just don't quit, do they? He's just so hunky in that remake. He's hunky in everything. He is, but like, he's just playing. He's just supposed to be playing a guy in the '70s, and he's just fucking shredded. And he's I'm like, still Ryan Whoa. Reynolds, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird choice. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, we will be, <laughs> that was, sorry, I just sorry. had to think about his abs for a bit. Wow. They're my, they're what, they're my comfort. Anyway, yeah. we will be exploring the very real tragedy of the DeFeo family murders, the haunting of the Lutz family afterwards, and the involvement and investigation of Ed and Lorraine Warren. So of course, and you know, uh, this will probably be one of the last times I ever do this. If you're listening to the show, just be prepared. It's always a trigger warning for this show. We're going to be discussing things in detail, especially moving forward. We're definitely going to be getting into more of the gruesome details of cases. So just be aware of it. And if that's not your vibe, you know. Skip that part. Skip that part. Um, I'll have time codes, though, of course. Um, but first, we're going to be taking always. a look at the murders. And, um, yeah, are you ready to start, Mason? Let's dive in. All right. On the banks of the Amityville River in Long Island, New York, sits a Dutch colonial house with quarter-moon windows that seem to stare down at anyone who passes by. The address used to read 112 Ocean Avenue, accompanied by a sign that designated the home as High Hopes. This... High High Hopes Avenue. Avenue. Wait, what? No. I was doing doing Ocean Avenue. Oh. Hey, you know what? Take me down to Ocean Avenue. We, we got it in the end. I don't know. Was that yellow card? I don't remember. It was a pop punk banger. Yeah. It was all right. This is the site where a series of events transpired that would come to be known as the Amityville Horror. How fortunate would you call these events? This, this series this is, of this events. Is a how, real, this is a real unfortunate f- series of events. Let me say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said it. 
The sci- uh, the Amityville Horror is used to refer to the disputed experience supposedly suffered by the Lutz family. But the case doesn't begin with them. Do you like how I'm, 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 I'm trying here not to, to completely validate, go one way or the other in how I mm-hmm. explain it? The supposedly oh, disputed story of the Lutz? Yeah. Well, wait, is it, is it disputed or is it supposedly disputed? It's the disputed it's a, it's a experience disputed that experience was supposedly, supposedly experienced by the it's Lutz not- family. Yeah. supposedly diffused d- d- disputed it's just, it's as if th- like maybe it wasn't disputed. <laughs> yeah no one actually disputes this case the um, event isn't disputed but whether it's disputed or is not is disputed yeah that's disputed but the case doesn't begin with them it actually starts 13 months earlier with ronald defeo jr and the very real murder of his family on november 13th at 6 30 p.m ronald butch defeo jr ran into Henry's bar. You know you're going to be a, a, a bad guy if your nickname is Butch. You know what I mean? There's never been is in the history right? of anything been a Butch that everybody was like, thank God Butch is here. On November 13th at 6.30 p.m., Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. ran into Henry's bar, screaming to the patrons that his family had been shot. A group of his friends who had been there drinking with him earlier left with DeFeo to investigate. When they and arrived... That's who all, if ever, if ever I'm murdered or a family of mine is uh, murdered, please go get the last five people that I drank with to come investigate it. Because they're, they're the people who are going to solve that case and yeah. crack it wide also, open. Also, yeah, if, if I'm ever murdered and you stumble upon my body, please run to a bar instead of the authorities mm-hmm. and get as many drunk people as you can to come. Honestly. Like, I think you shot. I, uh, I, I think would. I am dying for the time that I'm in a bar and someone busts in and is like, help, my family's been shot. I need someone to investigate it. I'll be like, this is Madame Shack. Everybody looks like what your little beanie and you're like, you came to the right place. I think uh, you can tell by the by the comb in the blood that this was definitely a sexual murder. And they're uh, just fucking milk. weeping in the corner. Hmm. Oh. Milk, you say? I guess my taste test was off. <laughs> So, <laughs> when, they, when they arrived at the house, they discovered all six members of the family were dead. Oh, Joseph, shit, Ronnie. You were right. They <laughs> He just, one of the guys still has a beer with him, and he's, like, looking at the beer, and he's, like, just fucking downs it. <laughs> it's just, I would do one guy that thought this was a prank and is, like, yeah. in the refrigerator. And just like, wait, they actually got sh- Oh, shit. Oh, shit. He's eating the Doritos. He's like, oh, I should I should probably stop, right? But he just keeps eating them because he's... That would be me. Especially when I'm drunk. I always munch when I'm drunk. And I'm nervous. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm walking around the crime scene leaving Dorito dust everywhere. Because I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, man. Oh, no. They're oh, so dead. Oh, this is so bad. Mm. Also, I've had like... This is like 600 calories. Oh, my tummy hurts. <laughs> so Joseph Yeswit was the one who called uh, the police. He was a friend of Butch's. When police arrived, they found a truly grisly scene. Um, although, before I go further, I did read the 911 call between uh, Joseph and the operator. It's fucking hilarious. Because he's calling them and he's like, hey, this is Joseph Yeswit. And they're like, 
George Harrison? <laughs> and he's like, Joseph, yes, Whitney's. They're asking him to spell his name. They're yes, asking hello. him the address. He's it's like, me, George Harrison. <laughs> From the Beatles. Well, and at there's one point- been a murder at my best friend Butch DeFeo's house. Please, you gotta send help. <laughs> and I, one- this is one of my favorite accents. Yeah, that's so very good. I, I love a good Beatles accent. Oh, and he's like, he's telling them like, they're like, well, what's the address? He's like, I don't fucking know the address. There's dead people here, and they're like, let me put you on with a cop. And then the cop is just running the same thing by him, and he's like, what's your name? How do you spell that? What's the address? And he's like, dude. People are fucking dead. Get here. You said your name was... George Harrison of the Beatles? Joel... Joel... Joel? Did you say Joel? Did you say your name was Billy Joel? No, Joseph? Like... Yes, Wit. Joseph. Just Billy say... Joel. Look, what's your name? Okay. My name... I'm Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what are you doing as a cop? Hey, <laughs> Quick, hey, get over Joel. to my position. <laughs> There's been a murder. So, I'm glad we're getting the laughs out of the way because what comes next is yeesh. Oh, it's only going to get more fun, I bet. When police arrived, they found a truly grisly scene. All of the DeFeo family members laid face down in their beds, shot to death. Deputy Chief Med- Hey, I've been shot to death, if you know what I mean. A couple of shots. You take seven. Once you get past seven, and you're like, oh, fuck. I was shot to death a couple weekends ago, if you know what I'm talking about. I, this is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> the way you're using shot to death is a bit of a stretch, buddy. I'm going to be honest. It's not great. Deputy... You've had someone ever referred to uh, taking a shot and been like, oh, I've been shot to death. Has that ever happened? Just did. Deputy Chief Medical Examiner Howard Adelman would determine that the DeFeo family members had bled to death in their beds. The murder weapon... Where did he go to fucking doctor school at? (laughs) Obvious university? What a fucking... No shit. (laughs) Uh, You know, was this me? That's my detective skills. I'm like, well... You can tell by the blood that they bled to death. Fucking congrats. Absolutely. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Six years of medical school. Eight years of medical school. They wow. bled to death. So you can tell it by the way it looks. These people were shot, and you can tell that by the way that they've been shot. Mm. In my professional medical opinion, gross. <laughs> this is yucky. yucky. <laughs> Ew. Ew. The murder weapon was discovered to be a .35 caliber Marlin rifle. You're our resident gun expert, Mason. Do you know anything about this uh, particular firearm? Uh, 35 is, I don't know. It's pretty big. I looked it up. It's pretty big. I didn't. I didn't know if maybe <laughs> if maybe big. you it's could. Uh, I don't know anything about guns, so I just is looked it at it named and I went. After like, is it named after the fish? Yeah. Marlin, or is mm-hmm. that just because it's is it as big as that fucking fish? Because those fish. It's are named huge. after the fish Marlin from Finding Nemo, the dad. No, I meant like the actual you know, the I species I don't know. of fish oh, yeah, named I don't Marlin. Know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <about> <laughs> Maybe could be. Um, uh, yeah. No, I know thirty-five caliber is very large and it's very loud. <laughs> well, I was going to ask about that, about the um, the the size of the ammunition and the. You said it's very loud. It's very loud. Mm, okay. Because it's well, big. That'll play in. 
It was determined that the parents were each shot twice and the children each shot once. Ronald DeFeo Sr., age 43, was shot twice in the lower back. One bullet exploded into his kidney and exited out his right nipple onto the bed. The other entered the base of the spine and was lodged in his neck. It was later estimated that he could have been alive a few seconds to several minutes after being shot. The waistband of his shorts was pulled down a bit, indicating that he had moved up on the bed as he died. Luis DeFeo, age 43, was also shot twice. The bullets entered her right flank and chest. One exited out of her and onto the bed. The other came out of the middle of her chest and re-entered through her left breast and wrist. The bullets shattered her ribcage, splintered bone, and destroyed most of her right lung, diaphragm, and liver. Although she was found face down, her chest was slightly raised from the bed, and her body was turned to the right. The medical examiner explained that she could have been alive for nearly 10 minutes after being shot. Thus, her position indicated that she would have woken up, lifted herself, and turned towards the doorway in the direction of the killer. So it's very possible that she saw the person that shot them. Mark, age 12, and John, age 9, were both shot once in the back at close range. The medical examiner determined that the killer stood between the beds less than two feet away. The bullets penetrated the liver, diaphragm, lungs, and heart of both boys. The bullets went through the boys' mattresses and into the box springs. John's spinal cord was severed, which may have led to involuntary twitching of the lower body. Allison, age 13, was shot once in the face from less than two feet away. She may have turned around and seen the muzzle of the gun. The bullet entered her left cheek and moved through her right ear. It tore into her brain and damaged her skull. The bullet ripped out of the mattress, hit the back wall, and ricocheted onto the floor. And finally, Don, age 18, was shot once in the back of the neck from two and a half feet away. The bullet entered just below her left ear and blasted through her left temple onto the pillow. The left side of her face collapsed and brain particles mixed with blood and saturated her pillow. Yeah. Uh, well, it's certainly that same interesting thing of the <clears throat> X where it's like the ability for someone to do, to kill all these people in their beds before, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's and, pretty yeah. impressive. And we'll get into, we'll get into some of the theories I, you and know stuff. What? I'd like to take <clears throat> back the, I said impressive. No, I know what you mean. I'd like to take that word back yeah. and say it's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Let's go with terrifying, not impressive. Yeah. The police report determined that there had been no suppressor used on the rifle and that the family had been drugged. However, oh. the official autopsy told a different story. We did extensive toxicology, not only on the blood and urine, but on all of the organs that were removed, and it turned up zero. That there wasn't anything in their body. That was Dr. Adelman who explained that. And Neighbors- don't forget, they bled to death. Yes, the same guy, same guy. Neighbors did not report hearing any gunshots being fired, and those who were awake at the time of the murders simply heard the family's sheepdog, Shaggy, barking. Lightning. Wow. Oh, I was just going to say, do you think they accused the, do- the dog of, doing, of killing them? Yeah. Because you know what the dog would have said, right? What? 
Like, zoinks. No, God damn it. Oh, no, oh it wasn't me. The, the it other wasn't Shaggy. Me. Yeah. Oh, damn it. I fucked that one up. He played a concert at the Des Moines, Iowa Adventureland. Uh-huh. Just the water park. Really? That's where Shaggy's at in his career. That really? This year he did that. Fascinating. It wasn't me. That was my, that was my Shaggy. That was just Shaggy. He sounds like a fucking Muppet. <laughs> yeah, have you ever fucking heard Shaggy? He's Jamaican, not a fucking Muppet. Yeah, but he's actually. Like... He, did you know he doesn't actually speak? No, he, he doesn't. He's just like normal, normal voice. Yeah, he just talks but normal. Like, but then when he's yeah. you call me red-handed. I know that's not what he sounds like. You call me red-handed. I mean, it's not. Is it? Uh, is it sweaty? That is that a sweaty? That wasn't me. That's what he sounds like. What are you doing? Is it sweaty for me to do this impression, or is it okay because he also doesn't talk like that? Well, you know what I mean. I don't know. So it wasn't me. Butch would go on to tell police that he had stayed home from work the previous day with an upset stomach. That he had stayed up until two a.m. watching the movie Castle Keep, starring Burt Lancaster. He I made a point of saying night. that. Um, he had I was watching Castle Keep with Burt Lancaster. Oh, okay. Um, ask me. Ask me anything about it. Who, who was in it? Burt Lancaster. What's it about? It's about keeping a castle. <laughs> <laughs> so, he said that he had fallen asleep in the TV room and was awoken at 4 a.m. by the pains in his stomach and that at first... He saw his brother Mark's wheelchair outside the bathroom. His brother had broken a leg playing football. He Use said he saw the bathroom. Crutches. Huh? Use crutches. Nah, this this kid you get wanted a wheelchair to fully for a broken ride. leg. Oh, I, I guess he's dead. I, mm. He said <laughs> he said he was well rested from the day before, so he decided to go to work earlier than usual. He ate at a luncheonette, went to work, left early, and saw his girlfriend and some friends. I'm sorry. Wait, what time did he leave the house? So he probably, I think he left at like 5.30 or 6 a.m. I'm sorry. He stayed up till 2 a.m. watching Castle Keep starring Burt Lancaster. He then fell asleep at 2 a.m., woke up at 4 a.m. because he had the tummy, which I know, I know that tummy ache that wakes you up where you have to go take a shit like really badly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you just like blurt out the worst shit of your entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, okay, this checks out now. Where you do that, you wake up, you do that, and you're just like, oh. Yeah, and I'll do whatever now. I can do whatever yeah, I want now. That's I'm pretty fine. much what he said happened. Yeah. Okay, so, fair enough. At first, Butch claimed the murders were committed by a man named Louis Fellini, who Butch said was a mafia hitman, who had lived with his family and had a falling out with Butch and had threatened his life. As police continued to search the home, they discovered the uh, 35 caliber Marlin rifle. It wasn't among the numerous firearms they discovered in Butch's room, but in a separate box with a 22 caliber rifle. It was at this time that authorities discovered that Butch was a gun buff and had been trying to buy a silencer in the weeks leading up to the killings. The investigation turned to Butch, who continued to insist that they needed to find Fellini. But once they asked him if he had eaten dinner with his family the night uh, of the murders, his demeanor changed, and they discovered he was not the grieving son and brother one might expect. When asked why he hadn't eaten with his family, he said that it was because his mother Louise was a lousy cook and that she made some brown shit in a bowl for dinner that he wasn't going to eat. Um, when asked about his family, 
he had nothing nice to say. He described his brothers Mark and John as fucking pigs. He said that he shared a bathroom with them and they left in a mess usually with toilet paper hanging out of the toilet and shit on the back of the seat. When asked about Dawn, he described her as a fat fuck who played her music too loud. He said that when he yelled at her to turn it down, his father would intervene and hit him. He had nothing to say about Allison. Um, it's just funny because I just picture it like he's like, oh man, my family's dead. Oh my oh, god. Hey, hey, Ronnie, Ronnie, Bush, yeah. Bush, it's going to be okay, all right? Yeah. We just got to ask oh you, we understand. God. You're grieving. We just got to ask you a few more questions. Fellini, so, um, he did this. Oh, you played oh Fellini. We're gonna. We're writing. I'm writing down a note. So just. Uh, so the day, the day of the murders. Did yeah. you? Did you? Did you? Did you hang out with your family at all? Here's the thing about my family. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you we eat live, dinner with them? <laughs> we live in a society, and in my a family. Society. They had it coming. His family had it coming. Wait, Joaquin I'm sorry. Phoenix was a fantastic Joker. Fantastic Joker. Now, when will we learn who Joaquin Phoenix is? Oh, just is he wait. like Burt Lancaster? Oh, he's better. Anyway, yeah, I killed my family. <laughs> killed his family. And that's well, that's basically that's another one in the books for <laughs> Officer Schrader. The most wonder who did it. Convincing. <laughs> The most convincing yeah, just, interrogation officer like, we have. You broke, damn it, Schrader, you broke me down. Fine, I admit it. I did it. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if you hadn't asked me any questions. What did you guys have for dinner that night? What was the bowl of shit? <laughs> what does uh, it even look like a shit? What is a bowl? <laughs> what, was it oatmeal? That's all I can guess. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't Hash tell browns? You. It's got to be some form of potato, Beans, correct? maybe. Chili. All I know is it looked like shit. Yeah. No, but but really, though, like, they, they asked him. He's, you know, he's planted up this whole, like, mafia hitman thing. And then they, they ask him about whether or not he ate with his family. And he immediately just turns on him. It's just shit-talking all of them. And then the police, they, they tell him that they found the ammo and weapon. And they also tell him the fact that it's been determined that his family was killed between 3 and 4 a.m., which he would have been in the house at the time. Butch put his head in his hands, and he told police to give him a minute. He then proceeded to confess to having murdered his entire family. So literally, it didn't take much to break this guy down. All he did was, oh, hey, we found the weapon, and hmm. we know that yep. your family died around 3 to found 4 a.m. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I killed him. Oh. Shot him in the fucking face. Whoa, do you want to maybe wait until your lawyers... Because hmm? we... Hmm? Are you just confessing to the I crime? Killed you don't want to. I Ooh. shot him, right? Killed him. That's it. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, we're just yeah, gonna I throw you in jail him. for the rest of your life. <sighs> During his trial, DeFeo mounted an insanity plea. He confessed before the jury that he had heard voices in the weeks leading up to the killings. He said the voices told him his family was plotting against him. He claimed he had been possessed and that once he started, he couldn't stop. He also said, Oh, Your Honor, I know I said I killed my family, but uh, counterpoint, I'm fucking crazy. The judge is like, Wackadoo, you ever seen Looney Tunes? Yeah. You know when the you know when they hit themselves with the hammer and their teeth become like piano keys? Yeah. Hit me in the head with a hammer. See what my teeth do. Dunk. 
<laughs> Sounded pretty cartoony, didn't it? Yeah, God, I just, think I'm oh, going to go ahead and pronounce <laughs> this case closed. <laughs> just once, I wish that a killer would just do that. Just be like, I'm fucking Looney Tunes. Straight up. I guess the closest has been Manson, because he was just like, ah. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Your Honor, um, uh, I, my, uh, my client pleads um, animani, <laughs> absolute insane <laughs> And a maniac, uh, your honor, is uh, the plea. <laughs> he also said that a demonic female figure with black hands wearing a black hood handed him the murder weapon. At one point, he was shown a picture of his mother and answered that he didn't recognize the face. Psychiatrist Daniel I don't know Schwartz, who that is, but she looks like a shit-ass cook. I'll tell you that much. Psychiatrist Daniel Schwartz supported the insanity plea, but Dr. Harold Zolan countered on behalf of the prosecution. Dr. Zolan said that, Although DeFeo was a user of heroin and LSD, he had an antisocial personality disorder and was aware of his actions at the time of the crime. When he first confessed to the murders, he admitted to getting rid of the evidence. He also made sure to call home in front of people he knew and complained to everybody he saw that day that his family was not answering the phone and that he didn't have keys to get into the house. His behavior shows some organization and planning. Bring, he was bring, cognizant of what bring, he'd done. Bring, bring. Gawk, would you fucking believe it? My family won't answer the goddamn phone. Oh, no. And Ronnie. you know, I'd go over... Shut up, I'm talking. And oh. I'd go over there myself and check on them, but I can't because I don't have keys to the house. I've been calling them all day long, and I have not been home. And even if I had been, I couldn't get in. Because I don't have keys to the house. Okay, Ron, so, that's fine. I mean, do you want do you want us to go over there and check with you? What's no, 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 no. Don't do that because they're probably dead. I mean, I don't know because I don't know where they are because they haven't been answering the phone and I can't get in because I don't have keys. Okay, okay. So, so don't ask me. Okay, I won't. Don't ask me. I'm not. Ask me. <laughs> what? What do you want me ask to ask me? Ask me. Why aren't they? Can you go check on them? I'm crazy. Oh, no. Absolute fucking wackadoo. <laughs> I ever tell you my mom's a shitty cook? Not that I know because she won't answer her phone today. So. It, um, DeFeo. I'm glad we're friends. <laughs> DeFeo was found guilty of six counts of second-degree murder in November of 1975, he was sentenced to six sentences of 25 years to life. This is where George and uh, Your Kathy Honor, Lutz is, how long is that? How long is 25 years times six? What well, is, is that, 10? Is that 10 years? N no, it's 25 Because I'm crazy and I can't do math. Do I get the do I get the, de the the life sentences? Do I get them? I don't get them until you hit the hammer on the wood, right? Right. I so no. there's still a chance that I could convince you that I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I didn't hear that. 
So, didn't count. Didn't fucking count Ronnie DeFeo. He's winning again, baby. Woo! Nothing but roses for Ronnie Butch Jr. DeFeo. Uh, That's yeah. what I did to my family. Oh, no. <laughs> did I tell you I'm crazy? <laughs> this is where George and Kathy Lutz enter our story. During the summer of 1975, George and Kathy Lutz visited the property at 112 Ocean Avenue, a beautiful three-story Dutch colonial home set on the Amityville Riverside. This is what George said. We looked at about 50 homes over the months that we decided to combine the households. When she, the realtor, showed it to us, she said, I don't know if I should tell you this. Now or after you've seen the house, but this was the house that the DeFeo murders took place in. We kind of looked at each other like we weren't sure what she was talking about, and then she reminded us about Ronald DeFeo having killed his whole family. It had been in the newspapers about a year before. After taking... Time to think about it and discussing with her children, George and Kathy Lutz decided to purchase the home at the price of $80,000, which even for its time was a fucking steal. A three-story house for $80,000? A three-story Dutch colonial home on the Amityville Riverside with a garden house and a private uh, boathouse. Uh, and six murders. Oh, and six murders. Yeah, who fucking cares? All of it for eighty thousand oh, yeah, dollars. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd go fucking cuckoo for cocoa puffs for that shit. Well, good news. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Do I have the house for you? <laughs> the family was set to move in on December eighteenth, nineteen seventy-five. That day, at the beginning, at the suggestion of a friend, Lutz. Uh, George Lutz, had a priest come bless the house. And right from the beginning, the activity began. <laughs> As the priest was going about blessing the home, he came into an upstairs bedroom that the Lutz were planning on using as a sewing room. While in the room, the priest became overwhelmed with feelings of dread. He then heard a voice that told him to get out, before being slapped in the head by an unseen force. Ow! <laughs> I like that the ghost is like, Get out. And it just... <laughs> I, like, I think Ow. it was more flamboyant. Like, get out. Ow. 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 Somebody hit my head. Mr. Lutz, I, uh, I have to tell you, I uh, think your house is haunted, and it, the ghost is kind of a bitch. <laughs> so, honestly, that sewing room... I mean, honestly, what the fuck? That was fucked up. Shitty. Shitty, shitty ghost behavior. <laughs> uh, the priest looked around but found no one in the home. As he was leaving, he ran into George outside. George tried to pay the father for the service because <laughs> I get think... the priest just punching him in the face? Be like, you fucking slap me, you piece <laughs> of shit. You fucking sneak up in a room and slap me. I come here, I bless your house. Fuck you. Okay? The father denied him and told him that no one should sleep in that room and left. When the Lutz family moved into the home, some of the furniture from the DeFeo family um, was still in the home, such as Ronald and Louise's bed, which is reportedly the same bed that George and Kathleen slept on. I looked into it. It, okay. it was. It was. 
Gross. Yeah. Oh, because Gross. I guess they just they didn't have some of the furniture, and so they just kept some well, of no, it. Even it's not even it about the murder. The if there was a mattress left in my in any place I moved in, no, out, the 70s. absolutely out. Gross. Seventies. Even grosser. They got fucking. They got. They got. They got pubes. They got thick pubes. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's more hair. Oh, yeah. just getting everywhere. Yeah. It's icky. It's icky and it's ewy. Don't sleep on other people's on stranger mattresses, especially if it's a murderer's mattress. The couple moved into the home with three children from Kathy's previous marriage. Daniel, age 9, Christopher, age 7, and Melissa, age 5. Almost immediately, strange phenomena began to occur within the home, and the change in demeanor that would befall George and Kathy made itself known. The Warrens later referred to this as personality disintegration. George slowly went from being a reportedly rock-solid, hard-working man to a real slump. Yeah. Given to he volcanic shifts hard. of temper. <laughs> he was rock hard. I all the have you time. ever seen a picture of this man, Mason? I have not seen a picture. Look him of up him. real quick. Yeah, he I, has yeah. the most peculiar look to him. I can't put my finger on it. It's I don't know George. if it's it's because he wore his pants so high up, or his torso seems to be shorter than the rest of his body. He's got a giant fucking head. That's what it is. Yeah. He's got a giant fucking head and his wears his pants way too high. <laughs> he does wear his pants so fucking high. Which I'm like, it's the um, 70s, so it doesn't make sense. Why are you wearing your pants so high? I fucking adore the fact that they got Ryan Reynolds to play this right? fucking guy. They, I mean, they got James Brolin beforehand to play him, which James Brolin is way yeah. too handsome to play this guy. Kathy, normally an easygoing, pleasant person, found herself turning angry for no real reason she could see. George found himself always cold within the home. Despite all that he would do, he could never seem to warm up. George began to find himself waking up every night at exactly 3.15 a.m., unable to fall asleep afterwards. One night, while George was outside the home, he saw five-year-old Missy standing at her window with the outline of a pig's face with red eyes behind her. When he ran to her room to investigate, he found that Missy was sound asleep. Soon after, Missy began to tell the family she had made a new friend named Jody, who would sometimes appear to her as a pig. Well, that's just bullying. <coughs> Jay Anson presented a lot of the instances that the family experienced as full fact, tangible things. But the Warrens would later go on to describe these events as hallucinations brought on by the demonic forces. They One were both wrong. <clears throat> One of these hallucinations <laughs> occurred one night when George looked down at his wife and found that she had transformed into a 90-year-old woman. According to Kathy, this would happen more than once and she would take on a different personality during these instances, which were reportedly witnessed by Kathy's mother. Another one of these hallucinations occurred to George when he came downstairs and found the front door had seemingly been ripped off its hinges. In the book, Anson states that the police were called but the door was seemingly fine. Other strange occurrences included a room being full of flies in the middle of winter, strange cloven hoof prints being found in the snow outside the home, and green slime oozing down the walls. <laughs> and the walls ooze green slime. Oh, no, wait. Oh, wait. They always, they always do, do that. that. <laughs> I guess that's it's a reference classic. to this. George yeah, discovered so. a room underneath the basement stairs that would come to be known as the Red Room. It was a room barely big enough to hold two people. 
that was painted completely red and gave off a strange odor. It smells like farting here, <laughs> George said. <laughs> hey, go in that room. Doesn't it stink? After he just ripped it. Uh-oh. Must oh, be a ghost. the ghosts. They're stinky. When I don't George- like the way you've changed. You used to be so nice. Pull my finger. Pull my finger. See what happens. Hey, you look fucking old again today. (laughs) God, woman, you look 90. Daddy's going to work. (laughs) When George tried to take the dog down, he said, quote, He just wouldn't go in. He backed away. It's the only time I recall him ever cowering from something. I just love 70s science of being like, hmm, this room gives me the creeps. Let's shove the dog in here. Yeah, see what right? Happens. That's what I do. Anytime I hear a noise, I'm like, Zuko, you go first. Go go invest. I, grab, I keep a bag full of kittens and I fucking yeah. hurl them into haunted <laughs> rooms just to see if the cat raises its haunches and runs out. I know it's haunted. Every room I throw a cat into is haunted. <laughs> the strangest event was perhaps the night when George was awoken by the sound of a marching band playing downstairs. When he went to investigate, sure. he found nothing but curiously enough, the carpet had been rolled up and furniture had been pushed aside as if someone had made space for dancing. Now, well, that's obviously <coughs> bullshit because nobody dances to marching, uh, marching band music. That's not dance music. Well, if they're playing like the jazz hits, you know. Well, that's not that's a jazz band, not a marching band. Yeah, huh? Sometimes marching bands will play that. Marching band is very specifically like do 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 do. Yeah, but sometimes they'll play a Star Wars theme. You don't? Did you dance to the Star Wars theme? If it's the Maz Eisley Cantina, and it's like, well, that's not. You're Here's fucking killing me today with this, Jose. <laughs> you don't di- admit we're not moving on until you admit that you don't dance to marching band music. I, again, it depends on what they're playing. I'm I'm genuinely serious about. You it. fucking nerd! You've danced to marching band music, haven't you? You know they're going. You're such a fuck. That's the lamest. You know, it seems that a lot of the haunting was strange, small, little events like this, and and I I didn't go into all of them because if you want to know the specifics of them. Then go read Jay Anson's book. It's about 240 pages of it. I didn't feel like I needed to tell every single one. That, those events kind of give you the gist of the haunting. There's more instances like toilet bowls becoming pitch black and experiencing the feelings of being touched by disembodied limbs. I did go to a bathroom, a public bathroom one time that the whole toilet was black, like on the inside. It's really? unsettling because you can't tell Whoa. if there's water in there or not. It's weird. It's not like scary. It's just more like, yeah. oh fuck, am I gonna? F- if I flush, is this gonna be wet? Is this yeah. working? You can't see. Right. It's weird. Wow. I never thought Spooky. about that. It's but weird. The most eventful night was the last night that the Lutz family spent in the home, January fourteenth, nineteen seventy-six. George reports that he was lying in bed when Kathy suddenly lifted off the bed and began to slide away from him. George tried to get up, but felt as if something so had she crawled. S- did she slide to the left? Yeah. Did she slide to the right? Yep. Take it back now, y'all? She did. Do one hop this time? Yep. Two hops this time? Yep. Right foot, did she stomp? No. Oh. <laughs> Left foot, did she stomp? Yeah, actually, yeah. Crisscross! Everybody clap your hands! <laughs> anyway... Let's get back to the series. Uh, it was that ghost shit. marching band again. 
So George tried yeah, let's to get, get back to the serious ghosts. George tried to get up, but felt as if something had crawled in bed with them, and he could not move. He could hear the huh. children's beds being slammed up and down and being dragged, with the children screaming not- for help. The lights in the home mm-hmm. continuously flickered, and finally, when all that stopped and Kathy floated down to the bed again, George went and got the dog to stay right by the bedroom. I like that this guy's reaction to everything. <laughs> fucking dogs and it goes. He's like, get this fu- <laughs> I gotta get the dog. Have him go through this shit. He went hey, man, the- dogs are normally for, like, cats. They're not gonna do a whole lot of ghosts, I don't think. <laughs> no, th- this one will. So he went and got the dog to stay right by the bedroom. And all night, their poor dog was anxiously running in circles and throwing up. The next morning, they had (laughs) enough. And after 28 days of living at 112 Ocean Avenue, the Lutz family moved out with only three changes of clothes each, leaving all their belongings behind. A month later, the Lutzes held a press conference in the office of William Weber, the same attorney who had represented Ronald DeFeo Jr., There, they told a group of reporters what had transpired at the home. George stated that he did this because he wanted to set the record straight, as lots of rumors had floated in the months since the couple had abandoned their home. This is where you cue the ACDC, because here comes the thunder. Ah. Thunder. Ah. Thunder. I was caught in the Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they're pulling up. It's just a shot of Ed's feet, like his, his fucking dress shoes, pointy ass, like snakeskin dress shoes. And it's a slow pan up to his <laughs> gut and his neck rolls and his fucking a bolo tie open, that yeah. was making, yeah. He was and bullfrogging like out of. Flicking a cigarette, just popping yeah. his collar. Lorraine's, Lorraine's got her pussy out. <laughs> There's never been listen, they made they made ghost hunting sexy. They were the they were the Lux interior and Look, poison ivy I watched, of, uh, of, of the, the demon hunting world, okay? They were a sexy power couple. I watched a lot of their um lectures for research for this. Yeah. Lorraine Warren could get it. I, you know they fucked, right? Both of them fucked. Oh yeah. I, I, what, Other people what, the you one mean? thing I or each other. Uh, I don't know. Maybe each other. Definitely. Mm, maybe yeah. other people. Consensually. Sure. They may have been Polly. I don't know. There, there's but some. There's I some suggestions sure that maybe Ed had a uh, live-in lover, and that Lorraine was that, cool with. The it. thing that the Conjuring movies never got right was that Ed Warren only wore leather pants. <laughs> he was a huge David Bowie fan, and he always dressed <laughs> like he was like a backup at, a, at like a Ziggy Stardust you, concert. I love that Ed Ed Warren, wherever he may be, heaven or hell. Or somewhere in between. Or just non-existent anymore, yeah. Um, he is happy because he got Patrick Wilson to play him. That's a fucking stellar deal, man. That's a fucking get, man. Like, from being Ed Warren to getting played by f- a hunk Patrick Wilson? Jeez. <gasps> yeah, you, oh, Ocean Master? Yeah. You, get, you get the same guy as Ocean Master? Get oh, fucked. Fuck. Marvin Scott of <laughs> Channel 5 News Team was actually the one who called the Warrens in. The network was putting together what has been referred to as a supernatural slumber party. A who's who of... Hello? Hello? This is Adam Warren. Marvin Scott, Channel 5 News. I'm looking to make a media circus out of a bullshit story, and I thought you'd be just the people to call. 
They were putting together a who's who of parapsychologists, psychics, and paranormal investigators. Scott had yeah, previously frauds worked. Zimzam men. Scott had previously worked with the Warrens in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and thus he gave them a call. The Warrens told Marvin Scott they would not enter the home without the permission of the Lutz family. Scott then set up a meeting between the Warrens and George Lutz. He met with them at a pizza parlor because this is George Lutz because he was so frightened of returning to the home. Both Warrens attest to the man they met. Can you just imagine they're like, we, uh, we know we haven't slept in, in months and it got really bad. And oh, we've got a birthday party. Everybody gather around and sing the happy birthday song. That's exactly how it went down. Yeah. That was actually, a, everybody, that was a tape of their meeting. <laughs> that was so haunted. Uh, who had the um, big and young, yummy in my tummy cheese pizza? Well, that was huh? me right here. Ah. <laughs> hey, are you that ghost guy? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. I'm Ed Warren. Cool. That's it. Hey, you know, <laughs> has anyone ever told you you sound like the guy who does the voice for Kronk in Emperor's New Groove? Ah. Yeah, I've heard that before. You gotta stop doing that voice. It makes me it makes me need to yawn. <laughs> um, so both Warrens attested that the man they met was a no nonsense kind of guy who was skeptical skeptical of the existence of a god. After their, I like that he just casually was like, "I don't fucking believe in God," and they were like, "Oh my." I, I think he was more like the uh, the, the dad from um, Gravity Falls. You know what I mean? Where he was like, dad was a hard man and not easily <laughs> yeah. impressed. And he like puts the paper down and he's just like, I'm not impressed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after their meeting with George, it seems the Warrens visited with the family at Kathy's mother's house in California. This is where the Warrens claim to have realized that the entity they were dealing with was demonic in nature as they claimed the entity had followed the Lutz to Kathy's mother's home, where George and Kathy both levitated before Ed and Lorraine. They also talked to the children. Do, do it again. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> do you think they did the thing where they walked behind a sheet and then just picked up their empty shoes? And Ed and Lorraine were like, oh my god, it's so good. It's such a good levitation. Ghosts. Demons, it's a demon. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> that's what they did. Ooh. Ooh. For those of you at I home, did, you, you, I just did that thumb trick where you put my thumb up funny and I made it look like I was removing it. You, I feel like you were so much more tame for the Devil Made Me Do It episode on your, um, mm -hmm. on your opinion of the Warrens. This time around, you're mm -hmm. not. And I, I love it. I'm here for it. Hey. I uh I don't need to be held to anything. Just because there's a tape record of my opinions doesn't mean I have to be consistent with them. <laughs> Tonight I say fuck the Warrens, and next time we do one, I'll say maybe they had a good point. As the as the um so the some I will be honest. I during the Channel Five guy that was a bit that wasn't necessarily me voicing my own opinion. No, 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 no. If I'm doing it in a bit, you can't hold me to it. It's someone else. <laughs> hey, listen. In the wise words of that dog. It wasn't me. <laughs> they also talked to the children, who reiterated what the parents had told them. 
Missy even told them of her friend Jody. After this, the Warrens agreed to take part in the investigation. Lorraine entered the home with a relic that had belonged to the famous priest Padre Pio, having had it blessed by many members of the clergy. The only person taking photographs that night was Jean Campbell, a photographer working with the Warrens. When they entered the home, the couple split up. I should mention he was taking um, photographs with black and white infrared film as well. Um, just worth mentioning. Um, and that's how you get <clears throat> pictures of ghosts. Yeah, I guess. Um, when they entered the home, the couple split up. Ed went into the basement while Lorraine investigated the upper levels. And again, ah, they're so not they're alone. Doing, There's a bunch doing... of other people here as well. But they're doing classic Scooby-Doo rules. Yeah. So, so like, Ed went down with some of the camera crew, and then Lorraine and some of the other parapsychologists and psychics, they were, like, in the, the rest of the house. All right. Nerds on the upstairs, cool kids on the downstairs. And All it's right. just Ed by himself, because everybody else there is a <laughs> And he's like, Fuck oh. yeah. Ed, you did it again, as he's just drinking whiskey out of yeah. a tiny flask. I don't give a shit. <laughs> this is amazing. When Ed entered the All well, right, time to fuck it up a little bit. And he's like, fucks up his hair, like loosens his tie, <laughs> and he's like, brushed through, and he's like, well, fucking, there was a ghost downstairs. You gotta come quick. <laughs> when Ed entered the basement, he used religious provocation, demanding that whatever entity was within the home reveal itself. At this point, he felt a force begin to push down on him. Hundreds of pinpoints of electricity hit his body. And he couldn't breathe. He couldn't move. He commanded in the well, name that was of just, Jesus. He just had a stroke. <laughs> well, with this guy, maybe. Maybe. He didn't seem like the healthiest guy around. Well, um, he, had, did he, did, he did actually have a stroke for the <clears throat> devil made me do a case, didn't he? No, no, no. Remember, you asked the same thing when we did the case. If I remembered, Jose, I wouldn't have done it a second time. <laughs> You're right. That's on me. That's on me. That was completely fake. He didn't yeah, have any Yeah, he didn't have a problems? heart attack. Yeah, no. Bullshit. He, I think he maybe died of a str- I can't remember. Anyway. Oh. He commanded in the name of Jesus once more, and the entity seemed to lift off him. Ed said that after the encounter, he did not want to return to the home again. And to his credit, he never did. Um, as oh, Lorraine yeah. ascended. Didn't like that. Let's leave. <laughs> Fuck that. That was not fun. Hey, um, Lorraine, I'm a little worried that, um, this may be a real ghost. <laughs> he's, like, actually getting flung around, and he's, like, he, like, gets up, and he kind of fixes his, fixes his little vest, and he's, like, <clears throat> I'm getting the fuck out of here. No, thank you. Mm. He's just, I didn't like this. Just, like, quick running up the stairs and he's like Lorraine I'll be outside I forgot something in the car honey I'll be out there <laughs> um, <laughs> honey I'm gonna be honest with you I pissed myself in that house Lorraine and I don't want to go back I was very scared <laughs> that was fucking spooky as Lorraine ascended the stairs she felt the same force pushing against her that Ed had felt in the basement when they investigated the Red Room, they claimed that because of the energy felt there, that was where Butch, that was where they felt that Butch had hid his occult items. One of the pictures, because sort of while they were all there, they all kind of came up with, I think one of the women who was there was a psychic who could, what did they call her, a time seer or something like that, that she can, it, that she, uh-huh. 
she, or she's a time psychic, huh? You, well, you know how, like, in the Conjuring movies, that's how Lorraine Warren sees things? Is, like, she'll kind of see sure. the events as they're happening? Like, the real Lorraine mm-hmm. never said that she saw things like that, but then... Oh, uh, she wasn't a time psychic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the specific name. But this woman could claim to have been able this to see things This was a time like psychic. That. Time psychic. Hmm? And, um, what was What kind of psychic was Lorraine, then? Uh, just, like, a... Not if not a time not one. Not a time what, what, what kind? Could she read people's minds? Could she tell when people were lying? Space. Psychic. Could she lift things up with her mind? She like was eleven professor? from Stranger. Was she things. like Professor? Was she like Professor X? No, she was like eleven from Stranger Things. Aren't they kind of the same? Yeah, but she got a nosebleed. Professor X. Even have the same haircut. Yeah. The time psychic had. So just anyway, so they, so they kind of while they were there, the the psychics they all kind of came up with these ideas Lies. or these theories. Um, explanations. You know, make them up. <laughs> Things uh, they had no basis one of them in. Was that, like, this happened. Yeah, one of them was that they believed that um, Butch had been an, uh, a user of the occult. I can't remember, because in the movies they show him with like witchcraft books and stuff like that. I can't remember if he actually was. Because I know that he was getting into a bunch of stuff around this time, Butch was. Like, he was a gun nut. He'd been doing like hardcore drugs. I wouldn't put it past him that he had started to dabble in the occult or like or even just sounds read like witchcraft. he was more. Uh, sounds like we need to be worried about Nazi things in his. Oh yeah, almost certainly yeah, occult stuff. But I but I, I can't remember if he actually was or not into the occult. Anyway, but this is where I they thought like that they were hiding where he was hiding these things. <laughs> from a skeptical standpoint, do you think that these? I'm guessing these people probably didn't actually sit there and be like, "How are we going to lie about this?" But they were doing that thing where they were like, "Oh, there was." This is where he kept the witch yes, stuff, look, and they're like, if, "Yes, the if, witch stuff. Yeah, that's if it." I you know have, what I mean? Yes, if I if I'm entertaining the the skeptical side of me says that yes, that that's what they were doing. That they were like they were just they I were just yes ending each other into a whole story. He hid his stuff here, and then the other one was like, "Yeah, yeah, I felt that too. I yes, felt that shit too. Yeah, I feel that too. Yes, yeah, that's the skeptical side. You know of what? Me. I, yeah. You know what I'd like to feel later. And then they just have a, an orgy, all of them. Psych. Hey, you know what I, you know what but I, with their minds. They don't actually tonight. have, they don't actually have us. sex. They're just I fucking in their minds. Tonight. Do you get it? I'm fucking you so oh. hard with my mind right <laughs> okay. now. Okay. All right. When they, All right. It's when, getting weird. <laughs> so they, one of the pictures captured by the Warren's photographer seems to show a profile of Padre Pio's face. The man whose relic Lorraine was carrying. I couldn't find that one. I, I saw it in their uh, lecture that they did on it, but I couldn't find it again online to include it for you. Yeah. Um, they also captured a more infamous picture of a young boy peeking around the corner of a doorframe. Many believe the boy was one of the DeFeo children, but Ed was adamant <laughs> that it was no spirit of a child, but rather a diabolical entity disguising itself as such. And this is no, the no, picture. you can tell. You can tell that's one of those kids because it's leaving a trail of shit behind him. <laughs> Just like their brother uh-huh. said. And this is a very famous picture. Um, they, they, this is like, this whole, this whole sequence is at the beginning of the second Conjuring movie. Um, the whole Amityville sequence. And this is a very famous picture. Um, I tried to look into it. I don't know if it's been debunked that, like, it, as far as I know, it's a legitimate picture where it wasn't altered. The question of the validity then comes as to whether or not it was staged. Um, although uh, everyone yeah, I mean, there claims that it was not. Certainly looks like a child. Yeah, he's got in that picture. White. His eyes are completely white. 
Well, I mean, like his eyes are completely white, but it looks more like it's just doing the thing old shitty cameras do, where they yeah. make the eyes super reflective. Yeah. It's not; it doesn't. Look, they're not like all white out, like he's glowing or anything. No, it just kind of looks like a shitty picture of a kid hiding behind. Nothing looks supernatural about it. Like if you didn't tell me it was from a ghost thing, I would just think it's a regular picture of a kid. Still spooky. Don't like it. It is still spooky. I don't like the way that kid looks at me. I'm gonna actually scroll away from it now. <laughs> I can. I, I didn't can. like it. <laughs> I didn't like it. Didn't like I got guy now I gotta deal with that <laughs> in my head all night long. I gotta think about oh I hope the spooky little shitty DeFeo kid doesn't fucking get shit all down the back of my toilet seat. <laughs> oh boy, I missed this. One of the cameramen from the news network <laughs> suffered heart palpitations while investigating the home. The Warrens left the home. <laughs> he's just back in the seventies where he's like slamming a hamburger with like two yeah. cigarettes between each finger, just being like Oh, oh, my oh fuck. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my, my god, heart my hurts. And Lorraine's like, it's a ghost. <laughs> the Warrens left the home with a definitive belief that the house was infested by a demonic entity and gave the recommendation. I'll tell you one thing. That house is scary as shit and I don't want to go back. He's just, his pants are pissed. And he's still, he's like, wow, uh, that was spooky. I've seen a haunted Raise your hand if you were expecting this house to actually be haunted. I sure as fuck wasn't. Wow. I think a ghost a ghost peed my pants. This this yeah, you saw that he's like pointing at the camera guy's like, You remember you were there when the ghost pissed my pants, right? I didn't I definitely looked like you did, Ed. (laughs) The demon wants you to think that. The demon wants you to think that. I think actually I can play it back on the camera here. Look, it's you. Just saying, please, please, no, please, no. Oh, I'm peeing. I'm peeing so much. Oh, no, it's that everywhere. Was the oh, it's demon had shoes. entered my body and pissed my pants. All right. It's a piss demon. Is that what you want to hear? It's a piss demon. You're fine. It's a piss demon. It's a fucking big old piss demon. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I believe he was the... I, we've encountered this demons like this before. So there's a piss demon. You get your shit demon. You got your throw up demon, you got your Classic. pizza demon, you got your, you know, your your code demon that haunts the video games. We've 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 encountered them all. I'm sorry, uh it is nineteen seventy six. What's a video game? It's like Pong, you know Pong. Is Pong exist? Actually Pong, Pong exists. exists. Yeah. You know oh, Pong, okay. you fuck. Come on. <laughs> I know Pong. <laughs> the scary the Ben Drowned version of Pong is just that the your paddle moves by itself? I don't know. Because, I mean, the other paddles well, aren't moving. It's just <laughs> the I ball put it down makes the little... It to... I came back and the computer hadn't even scored a point against me. <sighs> anyway, the Warrens left the home with a definitive belief that the house was infested by a demonic entity and gave the recommendation to the Lutz family that they have an exorcism performed on the house. Which the Lutz never did. So to Ed and Lorraine's uh, credit, they were like, hey, house is infested by demons. You got to get this shit sorted out. They weren't like, hey, we, we can do it for a price. They were like, no, like get the church, get them to help you. Like, this is bad. And then the Lutz were just like, ah, gee. Okay, we'll sure do that. And then they never did. But it didn't end there for Ed and Lorraine. As something from the home seems to have followed them. While Ed was in his office, going over the material from the investigation, he claims a large shadow appeared in the doorframe to his office and lunged at him, trying to attack him. 
he was able to make, make it leave after reaching for some holy water and commanding it out. Do you think the Warren's house is just filled with like like it's like Blade but for like nerds of it's just filled with like ghost and demon hunting things just fucking everywhere? Oh yeah, I mean they have that. So I, I didn't know this, but apparently his his office was at the end of the museum. So it's like you had oh. to get through all the the fucking spooky demonic shit that he's collected, and then that was where his office was. Um, Feels like you should just switch those rooms. That's what I'm thinking too. You know I'm, what I mean? Kind of so asking the office for it. is here and yeah. yeah, a little bit. Um but yeah, I'm sure he like pounds a wall or something and then it like flips and it's like holy water, holy water squirt gun, like crucifix, throwing crucifixes. Yeah. Throwing crucifixes. I just <laughs> if I were them, when Jose, when you and I start our um demon hunting business or ghost yeah. hunting business, um, we are going to buy a, a church and use that as our, we're going to live in a big old church. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay yeah. with that. Cause like, why wouldn't you, the, the, like the museum where we keep all our things, it's going to be like, uh, it's going to be like the back cave where it's like all the big pieces of yeah. shit are going to be in like the big, like yeah. uh, regular altar room. You know yeah. what I mean? Where all the people sit and shit uh, like that. And it'll be like up in the balcony. We'll have like all our little bat computers yeah. and shit. We'll have poles to slide down. And we'll both like be Robin, so neither of us have to be yeah. like have that complex. We're gonna yeah. both. We gotta I'm do okay with it. I always was Robin when I played games. I was Honestly, like, I want to be Robin. I was always, I was always a Robin yeah. too. But that's because I was a younger brother, so I never had much of a choice. I could either embrace being the second character, or uh, be mad I my was, whole life. Yeah, I was I just the younger it. cousin, so I I was the oldest yeah. in my family. But even when I played with my brother, I was like, and I get to be Robin. Maybe that's a whole. Um, maybe that's something I talked. And you said you're ghost hunters again. I'm sorry, dude. We go on the Robin <laughs> rant again because we do have a problem where we keep going on the Robin rant and then people don't want to hire us anymore. Yeah, no, we're. Yeah, I don't want to hire you anymore. <laughs> Not again. Damn it, Lorraine would say that of, out of all the cases they took on, none of them affected them more than the Amityville horror. Now that the narrative has been run through, <laughs> from that time on, she spoke only in rhymes. <laughs> Now that the narrative has been run through, let's take uh, a look at some of the extra details that I thought were worth mentioning but sort of didn't fit into this narrative structure. So that's the story of the, of the, the Amityville horror involving the DeFeos, the Lutzes, and the Warrens. Now here's some, here's some extra little chunks. Ed Warren fun, facts. Act, fun facts. Ed Warren actually addressed one of the biggest criticisms of the case uh, that people who visited later never encountered anything or people who visited would say i was there at the house at this time and i never saw anything and he said it's not that a house is haunted 24 hours a day you don't walk into a haunted house and see ghosts floating all over the place he claimed that activity begins during the psychic hours which are 9 p.m to 6 a.m because I'm this sorry, is the, psychic the time hours yeah because this is the time that they can draw strength he also explained that when a person gets frightened, they give off psychic energy that evil entities use to fuel themselves to produce more phenomena. Now, I heard this before, and whether or not you believe, I think this is a really it's pretty convenient. Interesting, yeah, I was gonna say interesting, convenient. Yeah, um, I guess well, okay, convenient. Also, I guess convenient. Uh, to me, it seems like a, it makes it's, sense it's to a, me. I don't know. Yeah, it makes fucking sense. It's a no-brainer. The people who are afraid 
are actively seeing things in the shadows. You know well, what I mean? I'm sorry. I, for Obviously, me, the person who goes in being afraid of the ghost is going to find more confirmation yeah. of the ghost than the person who's not afraid of the ghost when they go in. Mm -hmm. I guess for me as a believer, it makes sense that that um, evil, because, you know, in, in most cases, it's evil entities that try to scare people, whereas ghosts don't. They're just trying to communicate. So, or ghosts are spirits. So for me, it makes sense that entities like demonic in nature have to try to scare people because th that fuels them. And that's the believer side of me saying that. But I understand that, yes, it does seem like a very convenient explanation. Um, as this case... That's why all the people who already believe in ghosts see ghosts when they go there and all the skeptics don't. Okay. As the case was disputed more and more, and as the case was disputed, more and more irregularities or inconsistencies came forward... Um, George and Kathy Lutz took three polygraph tests, which they passed as well as voice stress tests that they also passed. Of course, as we now know, polygraph tests are uh, iffy at the most. Mostly bullshit. Yeah, it doesn't. It's all about maintaining heart levels and heartbeat levels, whatever, and stress. And you can figure out how to beat them, I guess, is the. Ed Warren was always cautious of Jay Anson's book because he believed that things may have been dramatized beyond reality. However, both Warrens said they believed George and Kathy Lutz. Ed Warren made the claim that the horror actually began six months before the killing of the DeFeo family, when Mr. DeFeo traveled to Canada and brought a priest down to bless the home, reportedly during this time. Butch angrily left the house. The Warrens claimed that the religious statues found around the home were commissioned by Mr. DeFeo after his visit to Montreal, despite not being a pious man. Lorraine claims that when neighbors asked about the statues, Mr. DeFeo told them it was because he had a devil on his back. Which is a cool, I think it's a cool thing to say. I got a devil on my the back. Red Hot Chili, the Red Hot Chili Peppers in one of their songs said that I've got a devil in my dick and some demons in my semen. <laughs> So it's kind, the same. Same it's kind of the Anthony same thing. Kiedis, yeah. Anthony Kiedis agrees with DeFeo. Yeah. I don't know about that. Sir Psycho Sexy. That was the song. It was Sir Psycho Sexy. I, um, I couldn't find anything of that, of that claim about the statues. There certainly were those statues around the home. Um, there, I mean, one of the things that uh, Ronald DeFeo Sr. also did was he was the one that had the sign that said High Hopes uh, made and installed in front of the house. Um, because it was like the family's high hope or something like that. Um, it kind of sounds like DeFeo was just one of those like uh, weird kind of mafia, like Tony Soprano type father figures yeah. where and they're we'll, like, we'll we're a living bit by into, a certain code of rules despite yeah. being a piece of shit. And we'll get into a, a little bit of, of Mr. DeFeo here in a second. There were also a lot of strange incidents that occurred surrounding the publication of the book written by Jay Anson. Jay Anson himself suffered a heart attack um, after writing the book, but he said, quote, Blame it on my spoken, my idiot lifestyle. I'm not going to blame it on this. However, three people that had been given the manuscript each had brushes with death, with one being fatal. One had a fire break out in his car as he headed to the publisher with a manuscript. A second friend and his son nearly drowned in their car while the manuscript sat in their trunk, and when the trunk was opened, the only dry thing within it was the manuscript, despite it was only in a clasped envelope. The third friend, whom Anson had given the first two chapters to read, 
died in a fire the very first night she received them. In the remains of the fire, the manuscript was found in perfect condition. Um, so, <clears throat> as far as the DeFeo demon claim, it's one that's very, you know, the, the whole that, you know, he was possessed, and that's what led and him this to do is, it. Yeah, that Butch was possessed. The Butch okay. was possessed. It's what we see presented as fact in the movies. Ronald DeFeo Jr. is notoriously it's just a bad narrator. You know what I mean? Is the uh, what is the what is the term in in literature? The um, unreliable unreliable narrator. narrator. That's Ronald DeFeo Jr. He to also, a team. if you look at his behavior in <clears throat> once he was jailed, it's very similar to that of a lot of serial killers. Yeah. of the he way see, he, he his gave whole story goes. Thousands of different explanations to what happened, ranging from his in mother fact, killed his family and then he killed his mother. Yes. His mother and his sister killed the family. His sister and some friends and him killed the family. Uh, his uh, his the mafia hitman post being caught. Ronnie DeFeo has a insanely similar to uh, the Son of Sam killer, mm-hmm. where. Basically, and this is going to sound, this isn't even really to sound so mean, but basically Christianity gave them a scapegoat to say, no, look, it wasn't your fault. You can pretend it wasn't your fault. I know you said it was already, but look, you have a chance to be, to say it wasn't now. And then they were like, good point. It wasn't my fault. And um, he, uh, he actually passed away this year. Um, Ronald DeFeo Jr. did. Um, All right. Fucking riddance. Um, Yeah, absolutely. What a shit bag. He yeah he consistently changed the story while he was in prison, um, uh, so that you know take it with a grain of salt the whole demon claim, um, and then of course we fucking, have to... he was just a 1970s version of a neckbeard wasn't he he was just a fucking <laughs> yeah insult, pretty much wasn't he no he had a girlfriend yeah. um, which I mean doesn't well but the yeah, thing is everyone who knew insult. him was said that at the time he he'd started to go off the deep end he'd been having. Um, lots of issues with drug abuse. Uh, he himself said later that he was drinking like a glass of scotch, um, like five glasses of scotch a day or something like that with every time he did drugs. Um, he also, there was, and you can only do that if you're a rock star. Yeah. Duh, Ronnie. If you're not a rock star, you can't do do drugs like that. Um, also it is, we have to mention the DeFeo family was not a happy family. Uh, DeFeo senior was very abusive and a, and a horrible man by all accounts. Um, so the, you know, the tension for why Ronnie DeFeo may have wanted to kill his family is there. Um, again, also mental illness could have been a factor. Now he was only diagnosed with antisocial behavior, but the influence of drugs, especially psychedelics like LSD and, and Heavy shit like heroin, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, <clears throat> William Weber was uh, Ronnie DeFeo's uh, lawyer. Kind of a scumbag. Uh, I don't know if he's alive, if he is, uh, whatever. Um, kind of a scumbag. He, uh, it seems that by all accounts, he was the one that tried to push the demon, the voices um, uh, approach. Narrative. And then he was the one that reached out to the Lutzes and tried to... Um, profit from what whatever it was that they may have experienced he later came out after jay anson's book came out he came out and said we made all of that up me and the lutzes we got drunk one night and we made all of it up and everybody was like ah see it is a hoax but then people discovered that weber was in multiple legal battles with the lutzes because they had published they had gone with someone else to publish their story 
instead of Weber because Weber wanted to share the profits with Ronald DeFeo Jr. and the Lutzes were not comfortable with that at all. So then his claim of, oh, it was a hoax, cannot... May have just been trying to defame them. and Just yeah. him being mad. Um, so that's, you know, one of the things. Um, also, one of the biggest things that gets brought up with his family is they made it up. It was a hoax. Whether or not it was a hoax, we'll get into in a second. But they made it up because they were in debt. That was one thing that got repeated a lot. By all accounts, though, the family was doing fine financially. They were not in debt. And this is the Lutz's, correct? This is the Lutz family, yeah. Um, they okay. were not in debt. Their children have come forward and said that, um, like, one of them we'll talk about in a second, Christopher. Uh, he later uh, had changed his name back to his original, his mother's uh, maiden name, Quarant or Quarantino, which feels like if you mixed Quentin Tarantino's name together... It'd get Quarantino. Yeah. Yeah. I um, like it. Uh, he he was one that mentioned that, like, yeah, the, the fam actually saved money moving to Amityville because George, uh, George wasn't paying for mooring uh, charges for his boats. He was running his business from home, so he wasn't paying rent for his office anymore. It's like the family was doing fine financially. But, of course... I didn't know they actually had a boat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They had two, I think. Okay. I'm glad these people got haunted. <laughs> Um, and two so, boats, fuck you. Um, so, yeah, so that's, yeah. Anyway, one of the things that's interesting to me, and I kind of find myself siding more with, with Danny and Christopher. So Danny and Christopher were the two boys that Kathy had had before she got with, with George. They say that they do remember events uh, happening of shadowy figures and, and, you know, being thrown up, being moved, pushed around or whatever by spirits. But they said that, Things were dramatized way more by George. They said that that they believed that, that the spirits had nothing to do with the DeFeos and had more to do with George, who was actually very interested in the occult. And so they believe, the, the two boys believe that if anyone summoned anything to the home, it was George because he'd been dabbling in the occult and maybe he was the one that was summoning bad spirits they said that he was vain and he was domineering as a stepfather, that he was mean, that he was sometimes borderline abusive, um, that he would beat them with a wooden spoon as punishment. Um, and uh, so the, the, the youngest child, she's never said anything publicly, but the boys believe that, that there was a haunting, but that their stepfather, George, cashed in on it and dramatized it even more and further to sort of be the showman. So they, they say that things happened to him, but that the George blew them out of proportion, the things that occurred to them. Well, that seems... I'm inclined to believe that. Yeah. I would assume I that's believe, how it always <clears throat> is. I believe that if anything did happen at this home, it was definitely blown out of proportion. Um, and um, one of the... Jay Anson, uh, the guy who wrote the book... I have to give him credit. He never said one way or the other whether he believed it. They asked him multiple times, and he said, look, my book is my book. I believe these people believe what happened. Whether or not I believe it, I'll just, I don't know. Um, he's, because he said that one of the things that, uh, and then I read an interview with James Brolin, who played George Lutz in the movie, and he said that when he met the children, he didn't believe in the case because the children, when you asked them about things, they responded like that. Very, like they didn't think about anything and he was like it felt like they had been programmed to say the things so i think oh. if anything happened at this home 
things were blown out of proportion and you know the family decided on the story that they were going to tell and they sold that story by all means they didn't become millionaires um from the story no, being but this published is before it was obvious that you never profit off of you off know of what I mean? stories yeah. like this yeah well no just like, like off of you have haunting or alien yeah. stories you um, never profit off of it it they, always ruins your life the let's is later divorced in the late 80s um or early 80s uh george and and kathy let's divorce but they stayed friends um and on good terms for the rest of their lives they did interviews and stuff together all the time. Uh, they both passed away in the early 2000s, 2001 and 2006, I think, or 2004, 2006. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's certainly one of the most infamous hauntings. It's left its mark on American history, um, the paranormal history for sure. But in my belief, having read through this, I think it's more likely that things were made up than that something occurred. Because um, everyone that's lived in the home since has not reported anything. That's that is interesting to me. I, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I would assume somebody would have. Now again, it is possible like, if if I'm siding with Danny and Christopher, it is in my belief it is possible that if George was the one who summoned something, then the, the connection was to George. So when George left the house, whatever it may well, have been, may even have from him. a from a skeptical standpoint, it surprises me that no one's just like I'll buy the house and continue making shit up about it. You yeah. know what I mean? The the next people who no bought, bought it, it afterwards and turned it into a. Uh, had it for like 10 years and they hated that people came to visit it. They even got rid of the iconic windows, the like the ones that look like eyes. They just have they just have regular windows now. Which are not as fun. Yeah, I don't know. I never know what to feel when like true crime things are, you Mixed know, with the supernatural. Like, well, no, just when they um just when when they're gone, you know what I mean? Is it better mm. to Yeah bulldoze it and pretend it never happened is it better to do like the Velisca thing and and make it into like a yeah. true crime like you know i don't know i i mean obviously i i like the touristy true crime shit but like it's not always great it depends it's a close thing of whether you're hurting anybody uh, you know while doing it there's a lot of factors involved into you know certainly shit yeah. like that it's very interesting yeah, and um, I think it was just recently sold in 2016 to another for like 600000 which surprised me. I would have thought it would have gone for more. Um, but I guess it's just, just it comes with, doesn't matter, you, you're buying the house with all the tourism, basically. So you have to deal true, with that. Yeah. It's like the full house house, you know? Uh, or the, the, the pizza house in New Mexico from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Or, um, you know, people kept throwing pizzas on that roof. Yeah. Um, what was going to say? Um, 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 oh yeah. They changed the house number. It's no longer one twelve ocean Ave. One of the owners had the city change it to deter tourists from finding it. But then people found the address anyway. So you I won't say yeah, it, it's you not really the it. address they were looking for. It it's was just probably the house. the house. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, it's yeah. not showing up at 112 anymore? Yeah, but that's definitely the house, though, right? Yeah, okay. So no, because no, right no, no, this one's got different windows, oh. too. Oh, okay. So, Never mind. Let's go home. I mean, it's in the exact same spot, and we everything drove else is the same. 1,200 miles for this. Let's go home. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Amityville, Mason. Yay. That- Amity. More like uh, Amity... <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I was just hoping Zuko would sniff louder and it would allow me yeah. to get out of that. But he's he he's didn't. going towards the microphone. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's enough. Spooky. <laughs> anyway, with that, it's time to wrap the show up. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app on Apple Podcast, Audible, or Podchaser. We'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Plus, it really helps the show, and we'll read your review on the show. You can help support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainsloggcast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the lights on. Another thing you could do to help the show and yourself is go over to TeePublic and shop our merch. You can get anything from t-shirts to mugs with our logo on it. Remember, if you donate slash support our sponsors, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. Mason, where can the fine listeners find you? You can find me on Instagram at Mason Trader. You can find me on Twitter at Mason Trader. Uh, Mason, that's S-H-R, no C. Shout out to our one fan on Instagram that has started following my personal account despite me not posting anything. I won't say your name on, on the thing for your own privacy, but you are a true fan. She seems great. Yeah, she does. Um, well, you can oh. follow me on Instagram and Twitter at j.valle underscore junior and the show on Twitter and Instagram at Captain's Log Pod. We recommend various different materials on there, post show updates, post some occasionally funny things. We do merch giveaways. We just did one. So the winner will is Yay. announced on there. So, yeah. Yay. You can also subscribe. Go follow us and find out. Find out. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and, of course, the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. If you can't get enough of me, you can also listen to my other podcast with friend of the log, Max Benyon, called Max and Jose Have Something to Say. Um... Make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it. If you'd like to share your opinion on this case, the film, or the war- the films, or the Warrens in general, please do so by writing into captainsloggcast at gmail.com. You can also suggest episode topics. Guests you'd like to have back. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thanks to Carlos Rivera for composing our new show's theme which is great um and uh with that everybody we have reached the end of our show we will see you soon for another special episode i've been your captain jose Valle jr joined by first officer mason before and after picture schrader and this has been captain's log end of transmission beep boop beep lorp